Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Gadget Flow. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today we are speaking with Ed Vincent, the founder and CEO of Festival Pass. So Festival Pass, as Ed will explain, is a really interesting subscription-based service uh, that allows folks to basically enjoy thousands of local or global festivals for just a, a flat monthly fee. Currently has an active campaign on WeFunder that has raised over $100,000. So I'm really excited to hear and speak with Ed Vincent, the founder and CEO of Festival Pass. So Ed, thank you so much for being on the show. Great. Um, I'm happy to be here, Roy. So... I, I'm very interested just because of the the way the world is right now. I guess, you know, obviously this startup or this innovation came, you know, years ago, I'm assuming. Where does this all start for you? And what's what's a little bit of your history and background to inspire you to create Festival Pass? Sure, sure. So I think you hit it right when, um, you know, I think any good businesses come from context and uh, past experiences that lead to innovating on an industry. The first thing is, is I have been an entrepreneur for over 20 years. You know, I started, I launched my first startup, which was a e-commerce company back in 1999, which I sold in 2001. And then I went on to um, build an agency, uh, about a 70 person agency through the 2000s. And, and that agency um, was uh, an experiential agency. And, you know, during that time, we engaged in a lot of big events. Not only did we we activate a lot of big brands at concerts and film festivals and even creating a series of branded events like we had something where we had an online dating service and Absolute Vodka uh, with a thing called Click Get a Flick where people were dating at the movies. But th- those kind of things led me to have a real passion for live events. We helped launch a couple of film festivals and we even owned one in the Dominican Republic called the Dominican International Film Festival. So that was kind of the foray into loving live events. And, you know, after that, I went on to continue my uh, technology career. I built a, uh, a software as a service business in the franchise and multi-unit space, which I sold in 2014. And then for the past five or six years, I had a data consultancy and software platform in the uh, entertainment space. Uh, and during that time, we did a lot with big television networks like uh, A&E Networks and AMC Networks. And even today, that company still exists. I'm still a part owner in it. And uh, it, it actually still, the platform provides the insights into movie theaters to identify who's in the audience and what ads to serve on the screen uh, based upon who the predicted audience would be. In that time, and, and I'm, I'm kind of getting to the culmination here, in that time, I was asked through my company to come in uh, and be the interim chief data officer of a company called MoviePass, which I think a few people that uh, maybe listeners probably heard of. It was a, a interesting uh, company that came 
quickly into uh, fast success, but then had some um, issues along the way. And it was fascinating to uh, have a seat at the table to watch all the good decisions and bad decisions happening along the way. But that, that culmination of understanding a better way to have a, a business model that's sustainable, something MoviePass did not have, uh, and actually tapping into a market much bigger than the exhibitor space here in the in the North America, uh, live events is a two hundred billion dollar industry globally, and being able to have all the data experience that I have in consumer data marketing, as well as my lo- love and passion for events, it really brought us to the place of innovating in the live event space um, that is long overdue. So when you were creating Festival Pass, and I totally get the context around that in terms of seeing, you know, events and the movie side of things, certainly, and now the festival side where that opens up a much larger global audience. What was that process like there in terms of leaning on your 20 years of experience in the entrepreneurship world? You know, and how did you go about deciding, you know, what features were most important for those Festival Pass goers that would finally convert into a membership type program? Yeah, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, the uh, anytime you're bringing a consumer product to market, there's and especially in the in the model that we have, which is a marketplace model. You know, I like in what we're doing more more of the lines of uh, what Airbnb is to the hospitality industry than what than what uh, MoviePass was or the, or what other, some other subscription services are, because we truly are a marketplace, and in so doing. We have to provide value to the consumer while at the same time providing value to the rights holders, the, the people that uh, produce these events and, uh, and own these events. So having that insight enabled me to really understand uh, on both sides, what, what, you know, how do you serve two, two customers, uh, one being the rights holders and the other being the consumers? What was the biggest challenge that you encountered you know, overall in terms of developing Festival Pass? Challenge. Um, I mean, I think COVID, <laughs> COVID probably uh, was the, the the largest challenge, but it has a lot of silver lining in it. Obviously, it's tough to to launch a live events marketplace when all live events globally were shut down for a while. And uh, so, so I don't know if I answered that appropriately, but um, but yes, COVID was the, the biggest challenge. And of course, in building any kind of uh, early stage companies, there's obstacles um, that you just have to uh, get over. Yeah, no, that certainly is the uh, elephant in the room, at least on the, the festival side or getting together side right now. So is that the the pandemic? Is that what led you into running an equity crowdfunding campaign? Oh, no, no, not at all. So um, so th- I did post an article in Medium that kind of explains our whole reasoning to go down the path of equity crowdfunding and happy to summarize it here uh, for your audience. It's a very strategic approach. So uh Understanding that I have the 20 years experience in the entrepreneurial space, um, I've had the benefit of understanding capital access uh, from pretty much every point on the capital ecosystem. So I've raised pure, normal, straight up venture capital money. Uh, I've raised debt from different various stakeholders. I've raised angel financing. I've raised uh, private equity funds, as well as funds from different family offices. So in that process, uh, every every capital source has a defined uh, kind of set of uh, things that come along with it, right? So part of it is really just educating yourself as an entrepreneur on the capital source and what the expectation of return is for that capital source. 
And knowing that kind of allows the strategy of when and where to take different capital. So as that relates to crowdfunding, obviously, uh, I've I've been tracking the whole uh, equity crowdfunding space since it really kind of began in 2016 with always having a dream of building a hundred million plus company without ever taking traditional venture capital. Uh, And part of that is because of my past experiences that uh, while I think the venture capital space is amazing for some fast velocity growth companies, and you know, I'm not saying, I'll never say never down the line uh, at the right time in the right place with the right expectation, but there's, um, th- there's something to be said if, if 10 years ago, being able to build a multi-hundred million dollar company without venture capital, it was you know, almost an impossibility. But today, it's, it's not anymore because of things like equity crowdfunding, uh, as well as things like low-cost debt financing, revenue-based debt financing that is non-dilutive to early shareholders, while at the same time providing growth capital. Um, so I, I can peel the onion on that. But it was a very deliberate uh, strategy that started years ago for when we would enter the uh, equity crowdfunding space. We had raised um, some seed stage capital prior to to get launched. We took an investment from a strategic partner, the third largest radio group in the country, which provided media and cash. And this is just the next step in our strategy, which is to raise um, you know, a million dollars uh, through equity crowdfunding, which then allows our customers as well as early stage folks or Main Street investors, I should say, to actually get the value that a lot of these fees get. Unfortunately, in the world of equity, in the world of typical Main Street investors, you know they usually only get a chance to jump in at the IPO when most of the value has already been created. But here, uh, I really wanted to participate in the small D, you know, democratic fundraising perspective, so that people that actually are supporting us early on will be the ones that get the value in the end. Nice. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the active WeFunder campaign that's going on right now. What did some of that prep work leading up to the launch of that look like, and how long did you spend preparing for the launch? Yeah, so um, I guess there's two two aspects to it. Is um, one is just the legal filings, right? So anybody that's done one before uh, may or may not know that you have to file a, a Reg CF with the SEC, and again, it's not burdensome, whereas any kind of Public filing uh, requires a ton of expense and a ton of work. Here, it was just making sure that you file all the appropriate information with the SEC, which was not a big lift. So I was happy to do that. And then we were just sitting in a place where we got approved to be able to launch our campaign, but we chose to wait for a few months because of the way COVID was. Um, The the way we look at, or at least I look at the the long-term path for live events is it's a huge business. There's a ton of pent-up demand going on now with respect to people wanting to get back uh, post-COVID. But just like everything in life, people often attach emotion to things and uncertainty in certain environments adds into people's desire to participate in things. So it wasn't until you know June, July, we started saying, well, okay, I think the world, while still knowing uh, the pandemic is a challenge, is starting to see that there is another side to it, that, that it will end eventually and we will get to the other side, whether it's through a vaccine, whether it's through treatment, whether it's through other various safety precautions. So um, we decided that we would kind of hold off on launching the campaign until 
you know, I, I felt the public could see the other, the light at the end of the tunnel. So we did just that and we didn't launch it until this month, really, until earlier this month. And as you can see, we've already brought in uh, over $100,000 just out of the gate and we plan to close out the full million by, uh, by the end of the campaign. How did you go about deciding on who your target market audience was specifically for the equity crowdfunding campaign? I know when we talk a lot on the equity side, usually we're trying to attract you know high net worth accredited investors on this, but I think your product and your company really speaks to the everyday festival goer or person that just wants to see live events you know now and obviously into the future that we need more human interaction. So how have you gone about targeting you know your, your audience for this? Sure. Good question. Um, so a couple levels, right? So obviously, um, uh, from my background and past experience, not everybody always has this option, but uh, some of the initial investors um, you know, knew we were going to jump into the crowdfunding campaign and were waiting for it to go live to participate because they were already excited. So you know, as a, uh, as a company CEO, it would be difficult to you know, manage hundreds of investors that are individually investing separately in the company uh, on the cap table. But the beauty of equity crowdfunding is hundreds, if not thousands of investors can all invest through one, with one source on, on the crowdfunding and it becomes one line on the cap table. So I, I was never really open from a pure logistics standpoint to accept people wanting to invest $1,000, $5,000, $100 until we kind of launched it. So there was there was some a few people that jumped in initially, knowing that we we're going to launch it. The second is um, we just this week engaged a partner who's raised over hundred million dollars in equity crowdfunding to uh, manage some of our outreach, and in so doing, they they have relationships with tens of thousands of investors that have already invested in crowdfunding campaigns. So we'll be tapping into that uh, outreach soon as well. The third is the one you mentioned which is you know, the most important to me when it comes down to allowing people to participate that support you early. So starting probably next week, we'll start uh, marketing to our, our members and letting them know that it actually exists. As just a few days ago, we put up a, uh, a little note on the website. So when people are coming in, they know that they, if they click the own equity button, they can actually go invest if they want to. But we haven't really pushed or marketed that to our user base yet. And, uh, you know, we're seeing hundreds of new members signing up every day. So it's just an opportunity to uh, allow those hundreds of members that are signing up for the platform to also participate in uh, owning part of the company if they so desire. Yeah, which is always wonderful in terms of leveraging the overall crowd that you own, or at least have a have an ownership over in terms of communicating directly with and bringing them into the company. So they have a greater uh, brand affinity for, for what you guys are working on. Yep. No, I agree with that. So I know your campaign's early on, but uh, any big surprises so far? Um, I don't think, not yet. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it rolls out throughout October and November, which is really where the big push is going to be. One of our goals when I get back to that larger strategy is once we close out this, this campaign and we have a, a lot of early investors that are, you know, Main Street investors that can participate in the upside, we're going to be leveraging some low-cost debt capital for our growth. Um, there's sources out there, which you know, I, I don't know if anybody here knows about, but places like ClearBank and Bravo and you know, Lighter Capital and a bunch of others that are all revenue-based growth financing companies where you can obtain millions of dollars in growth financing without ever giving up any, any uh, 
dilution in the company. So that's likely the next step in our strategy, or it is the next step in our strategy, is the this campaign will bring us into 2021 uh, and we'll likely uh, tap into millions of dollars of low-cost debt capital that will go towards paid media funding in order to continue to grow our, our audience. Amazing. So tell me a little bit about your experience with the community of backers that you've gotten into the campaign so far and the community that you've built on the website that are signing up. How have you gone about you know, managing potentially their feedback as well as just promoting the equity crowdfunding campaign at the same time? Yeah, so, so it's a little bit of kind of what I was talking about earlier is that um, is we're just in the process now of making it known to our community of thousands of members that it exists, right? So uh, going forward, what will happen is, um, this will probably launch next week, that every time somebody signs up as a member on Festival Pass, they receive a series of emails. You know, first email, welcoming them into the company, second email, encouraging them to, uh, you know, share on social with their friends and earn free credits. Third email, I may be off on the sequence of the emails, but third email talking about how they can secure their 2021 annual membership at a discount. Fourth email, hey, by the way, did you know you could also own part of this company? So, so it's really just this series of communications that go out to our members so they become aware of how they can both be a member as well as an owner. Amazing. Well, the campaign is definitely going on right now on WeFunder, so I'll make sure to include all the links on that. Uh, Ed, this is going to get us into our launch round where I'm going to rapid fire a handful of questions at you. You good to go? I am. I'm here. So what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? Oh, good question. I mean, I, uh, I, I think from the age of 10, uh, I've always been working for uh, putting newspapers together on Sunday for five bucks and a free breakfast. It was always what I wanted to be. I only had a, a short diversion into the corporate world uh, as an investment banker for a few years leading up to 1999 and haven't worked for anybody since. So if you could meet with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would it be? Oh, I have a lot of uh, people I um, admire, whether, uh, you know, Ones that I think everybody knows, Richard Branson is a, is a great entrepreneur that also, you know, is a, a wonderful human being and has a wonderful family life. I, I have a lot of friends that have been down to his island uh, and, and speak highly of him. So I would like to meet him. And then, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to meet other entrepreneurs that don't necessarily fall into the world of tech, but some back from the Industrial Revolution, whether it's folks like Henry Ford, who, you know, created almost effectively built the suburbs with his assembly line in the car. So if you got to meet Henry Ford, what would have been your first question for him? What inspired you to create something that people didn't know they needed? Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, favorite musician? Hmm, musician. Um, I would have to say Jack White. Okay. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I just, you know, I don't know if anybody knows Jack White or knows he's an amazing, uh, you know, musician that uh, was part of the White Stripes and the Rock on Tours and just kept creating bands that he was the linchpin for. Got it. What book might you recommend to our listeners? Uh, business or personal? Both. Business. Uh, there's a book called Measure What Matters by John Doerr, who was a venture capitalist or is a venture capitalist, but uh, it's, it's a great concept about how do you build OKRs, which are goal setting that tie into annual goals, broken down to quarterly goals. In other words, do the things that matter and, and track it, analytics. And then the personal side, 
There was a great book uh, by Brian Grazier, the film producer, called A Curious Mind. Uh, and what I love about it is it's the constant desire to learn and the constant desire to understand why people do things. Nice. Last question. And I know you're early on in this campaign, but I'm interested to hear your take, Ed, on what the future of equity crowdfunding looks like. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I'm excited about, and hopefully it gets approved, is that currently today with Reg CF, you can only raise $1,070,000 without going to the other Reg A and Reg Ds, which require more expenses and more, a lot, a lot more um, uh, paperwork, if you will, or disclosure. But I hear Reg CF will move up to 5 million uh, soon, or at least that's what everybody's hoping for. So I think by moving it up to a $5 million limit, it will allow companies like ours to do a second round and continue to allow people to participate in further growth financing rather than it only being very, very seed, seed driven. Absolutely. Well, I hope that comes out soon as well. Well, Ed, this has been awesome. This is your opportunity to give our audience your pitch, tell people what you're all about, where people should go and why they should check you out. Yeah, uh, I think it's very straightforward for us, festivalpass.com. Uh, go to the website, sign up as a free member today or as a paid member. Any credits you, uh, any membership you sign up for now and credits you earn, will just continue to roll over, even if you're not uh, ready to go to an event yet. So help support the live event industry by signing up now would be great. And then, uh, you know, anybody interested in investing, go to the WeFunder campaign, type in Festival Pass and you'll find us. And uh, realize that um, you'll be part of, you know, own a part of the $200 billion live events industry. Amazing. Audience, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, the transcript, links to the campaign, and everything else we talked about today, of course. And thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Product Hype. Ed, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it, and of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.